There's a question that I feel we all are ingrained with. It's a question that can be asked with just one word, and that word consists of just three letters. It's the question, why? I mean, how many of you have asked why? Anybody here questions why? I mean, and I'm saying it's ingrained in your DNA, because if you have a little kid, why are we doing this? And you tell them, and they say, but why? And then you give it the next answer, but why? And at one point in time, 12 whys later, you're like, just because, right? Like, you're like, this is just the reason. This is what we're doing. It's a question that we're ingrained to do. And there's a few questions that we start asking. We, we ask things like, why, God? Why? Why? We ask questions like, why is this happening to me? Anybody been there? <laughs> we ask questions like, why is it and where are you? Why am I going through this? And it's questions that we are constantly asking. And we ask these questions because of a preconceived notion that if I come to God and I'm living right for God, everything is supposed to be fine. Right? There should be no issues because I'm a Christian now. There didn't be so issues because I prayed this morning. Everything should be fine. That is an incorrect preconceived notion. There is no theological backing to that idea. As a matter of fact, what Jesus told us was, in this world there will be problems, but have peace, I've overcome the world. See, he promised that no matter what happens, he'd be there. And I want to show you, there's a few verses, bear with me, we're going to read a lot of word this morning, because if we don't back it with the word, we're doing nothing. Um, and if you can duplicate the screen in the back for me, please. Go to start in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31 is where we're going to start this morning in verse number six. Deuteronomy 31, verse number six. And look what it says there. It says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, if you want to know who God is talking to here at this moment, he's talking through Moses to the children of Israel. They're about to enter the promised land. And let me tell you, to enter the promised land, you know what they were going to have to do? Fight. They were going to have to fight the people who were there who weren't supposed to be there. They were going to have to fight at Jericho. They were going to have to fight at Ai. They were going to have to fight in all these places. So God tells the people of Israel, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the trial, the circumstance, the problem. Don't cower into the corner because your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you. Or forsake you. Verse number seven says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in sight of all of Israel. Now, think about Joshua. He's going to be the new commander of Israel. He's like the new CEO, CFO, if you want to talk about today's type of stuff. Like he's going to be the new commander in chief. And he's probably freaking out a little bit because he's got big shoes to fill. Moses, right? Like, think about the shoe size of Moses in this capacity. Moses is the guy that God sent to go to Pharaoh and bring down the 10 plagues. The frogs, the boils, the turning the water into blood, the, 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 the gnats, the, the locusts, all the different things. He's the one that the Bible says he would go talk to God face to face, and his face would be shining so radiantly and brightly that the people were freaking out. And now he's going to take his position. 
So he's freaking out. I would be. And then he pulls him in front of everybody and says, okay, Joshua, you now be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord your God has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. He has promised to never leave you. He has promised to never forsake you. Again, he didn't promise everything was going to be fine. He just promised he was not going to leave you alone in it. He was promised that... He's going to be there in the midst of it with you. Actually, if you flip over in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, again, we hear here the commandments being given to Joshua time and time again. He's told, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Then in verse number 9, he says to him, have I not commanded you? In other words, dude, I'm tired of telling you already. Like, can you think about it in your best parent voice? How many times have I told you to clean your room? Or something like that, right? I could just think about it. I can almost picture God that way. Have I not commanded you already? Booming voice from heaven. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So he promised to never leave you or forsake you. That's number one. But number two is he promised that wherever you go, he will be there. He promised that he will be with you wherever you go. Yeah, sometimes we think that certain places God is with us, other places he's not. I remember one time uh, somebody was with me in the car and uh, they were talking and they said something they shouldn't have said and we were driving by in front of a church, had a big old cross and I was like, oh man, I shouldn't have said it, we're in front of a church. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said it, period. <laughs> there was nothing special about the cross that you drove past. But we tend to think there's places where God is there. No, no, no. God has promised to be with you wherever you go. You let that sink in for a moment. He promised, number one, he would never leave you or forsake you. But he promised that he's going to be with you wherever you go. Now, if you forward over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 42... Isaiah chapter number 42, verses number 1 and 2. I'm sorry, 43, 43. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. God is talking to the children of Israel again. I'm going to start right in the middle of the verse. This is what he says. Again, fear not. You saw all three instances he talks about not having fear, right? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You're mine. Verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. Again, no theological backing to the thing that everything's going to be perfect when you come to God. As a matter of fact, what is he telling Israel or what is he telling us this morning, believers, followers of Jesus? He is saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. In other words, God is telling us this morning, number one, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Number two, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. But the third thing is that whatever you go through, I'm also going to be there with you. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you face tomorrow, whatever you face the year after, God has promised to be there with you. If the river is high, he's there with you. If the waters are high, he's there with you. No matter the thing, God has promised to be there with you. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but I've understood and learned throughout the years that God is always talking. Sometimes I'm just not paying attention. I'll give it to you, this example. You ever call your kids and they just oblivious to what was happening? One of my daughters, she can literally tune everything out around her as she's reading a book. Like, things can be crashing down, and she won't even flinch. She won't even know what's happening. So sometimes we'll call her name, and you don't hear anything. It's like, she's reading a book. <laughs> and sometimes we're reading a book. We're distracted with something. We're into something else. Not necessarily a bad thing, reading the book. But I missed on God, missed parent talking, right? So sometimes God is talking, and we miss it. And I'm one that God speaks to me a lot through like nature and things of the, like that. Um, and I live on a lake, and one of the activities I enjoy doing on my lake is going on a paddleboard. Used to be on the canoe, but now I have upgraded to a paddleboard because it's a lot. It's really cool. It's fun. <laughs> and I'm a water nut. I, I, I would be in the water all the time if I could. We have church in the water, maybe. Um, <laughs> and I was on my paddleboard a few months ago. And I was on one, and my girls were on the other. And uh, Alexandra, she spots this tree in the distance. And actually, matter of fact, if you can put the slide with that first picture up. She, she spots this tree in the distance, and uh, she looks at it, and she says, Dad, if we had that tree in our backyard, we'd build an amazing treehouse on it. And, and we're, we're, I don't know, about 100 yards away from it or whatever. When I first see it, I'm like, you see all the, all the trunks and you see all the shoots, you see all the stuff. I was like, yeah. You know, and she's like, you could build it probably too, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't know about that one. But okay, <laughs> but we, 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 we'd be able to figure something out. So I said, let's take a closer look. So we start paddling to get closer to this tree. And if you go to the next slide, and I realize that this tree was not really a tree. Watch. This amount of trunks that were going up were actually branches on a tree that was ginormous that had fallen. I mean, there's actually a piece of fence inside the trunk. Big old piece of fence. And as I'm looking at it, and I start seeing it, I just felt the Holy Spirit start hitting me. And I'm asking God, what, what is it that you want to show? What are you talking to me about? And I really felt the Lord just starting to talk about, even when you look like you've been knocked down and you're good for nothing, I can bring something out of it. Wow. See, even if the tree was blown over, if I've got some root that were still there, I can change it. As my, go, go to the next slide for me. As, as we got closer to it, look at this picture. This is a picture I took on my paddleboard. The, the real tree is underwater dead. 
The real tree is submerged. The real tree is all out of whack. Because I'm crazy the way I am. I put on some sneakers later and everything, and I, and I went and I knocked on the guy's house. Ta, 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 ta. By the way, I took my daughter with me because, you know, they'll be nicer if you have a kid probably, right? You know, I didn't know the neighbor. It's like five houses down from myself. So I go knock, and, and, and this, this super nice lady, she opens the door, and she's like, how can I help you? And I'm like, it's going to sound weird. My name is David. I'm your neighbor from about four or five houses down, and I was on the lake, and I was paddleboarding. It's my daughter Abigail, by the way, and, and, and I saw you have this tree that fell into the water, but the tree's not dead. It's got everything coming out, and, and I felt God speak to me with this tree, and I'm going to preach about it to my church, so can I go to your backyard and take a picture? <laughs> she, she goes... Let me go talk to my husband. <laughs> she closes the door. And at this point, Abigail's like, are they going to say yes? I'm like, I don't know. But you know? So she opens the door about, what, like a minute later? Maybe it felt like an eternity standing there, right? It was probably not that long, but it felt like a thing. And this gentleman comes out, and, 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 and he shakes my hand. He was, and, and I go to start telling him. He's like, no, no, my wife told me to come. And so he takes me to the side of the house, and he goes out there. So, so this that looks like a wall, that is the tree. Those are the root systems of this big, giant, fallen tree from the backside. And the guy said, you know, I, wasn't, I didn't live here when this happened. And obviously, he didn't. He bought the house a year ago, and this must have happened a decade ago. How, I don't know. More than that, possibly. And this thing that looked like this tree is gone and dead... I should probably just pull out the chainsaw and take it all, make, you know, put it in a chipper and get it all to get some mulch. Let's get rid of this whole thing. This thing that looked like something disastrous has now become a beautiful tree with all of these trunks. So because I like science, I was like, how does this work? There's got to be a reason that this works. See, see, see I, I had to almost ask that question, like how, right? Like how do we respond to the questions of why is what I'm asking. And so I, I started looking it up. And can you go to the next picture for me if you can? Because I want you to notice how beautiful and big this tree is, okay? It's beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. Go to the next picture. There's a thing that is called gravitropism. And gravitropism is what is found in these plants that when it topples over or something happens, through another part of gravitoprism, which is in the cellular level, there's something that is called staloliths, they can feel the pressure of gravity. And as the cells in the tree feel the shift in the pressure of gravity in a different direction, they are instructed at the cellular level, this way is down, so the roots go this way, which automatically means the other way is up, so the branches become trunks and the trunks shoot up. It's why you start looking around our city and you're going to see hundreds of trees that jut out to the side and then go straight up. It's why you go to a mountain that is a huge slope, but every tree still goes straight up. Think about it. The mountains, the trees don't go out sideways. They don't go out different. How does the tree know which way is up? Because it was intricately designed by God 
to know if the pressure's bringing you down, you got to go the other way. And the Holy Spirit just hit me and saying, you may have been knocked down. You may have been toppled over. But when you feel the pressure of which way is down, you know how to look up and grow in God. So I, I, as I go around my lake now, I was, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was on the lake on Friday morning with a pastor buddy of mine, and we were praying, and we were worshiping, and I was telling him, I, I actually I was like, look at that tree in the distance. I'm going to preach about this on Sunday. Let me tell you about it. And, and I was like, let's go to the tree. And, and we, I was like, I want you to notice when we get there. And then we started dri- uh, driving. We started paddling around the lake, and I just saw palm tree after palm tree that was like fallen straight up. Tree after tree, off to the side, straight up. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe it, go home. Get a little cup, plant a seed in the cup, watch the tree, the little thing begin to sprout, flip it over and give it a few days and you're going to watch it change direction. Because instantly when the cells realize the pressure through gravity of what is down, it knows that it needs to grow the other way. Those were branches that grew straight up and became trunks. So what is it in your life that the enemy has lied to you and said it is now over, it is destroyed, it is ruined, that if you allow the time in God, it will grow straight up and become something where you could build a massive treehouse. What is it that we've given up on? What is it that we say, that's it, I can't anymore. The tree was knocked down. Pull out the chainsaw. Nah, even with the chain link fence on it, it caused to grow. Even with the destruction, even with what it saw, even with everything that was taking place in it. Because when you know which way is down, you know which way is up. It's kind of like the compass, right? A compass has one job. It points north. The compass never points east. A compass will never point south. A compass will never point west. It will always point north. As a matter of fact, you can hold it in your hand, flip it around, and the arrow will still point north. And what do we do when the compass shows north? Now you know where everything else goes. But we ask the question, why, 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 why? Well, let's talk about that. Go to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. And I'm going to read Psalms 42 and 43, actually. It is actually believed by many historians and many people that Psalms 42 and 43 were really one psalm, and it was broken up when they did the numeration system, but there was no title for number 43. And when you read it, you're going to actually notice how they're combined or connected. So I'm going to start 42 verse 1. As the deer pants for water... So pants my soul for you. This is King David who wrote it. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Can you think about what David must have been going through at that moment when he says, I'm on a liquid fast and it's just my tears? That's basically what he wrote here. My tears have been my food day and night, while they continue to say to me, where is your God? Who's saying that? The person who knocked David down. 
Like, well, where's your God? I, I, I thought you followed this God, right? Through this God, you knocked down the giant. Through this God, you did this. Through this God, where's your God now? So David continues to write. He says, when I remember these things... I pour out my soul within me. Again, this is my response to the question. I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. And now look what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse number six, he says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Hmm. Promise he'll be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Again, we ask the question, why? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, my God. Verse 1 of chapter 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. You are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. On the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, and my God. I want you to notice something. Three times he says that. But if you read it, he's not questioning God. The why in that verse is not why God. The why is to himself. He says, why are you cast down, soul, if your trust is in God? Why are you thinking the worst has happened and I'm dead, I'm done, I'm nothing, when you shall praise him evermore. Why? The question of why was not why God in this instance. It was to himself. Why am I allowing myself to think it's over when my hope and my trust is actually in God? See, it changes or turns the question why God to the statement, I trust in you. That's the question. That's his response. That should be our response. I was knocked down. The tree was knocked over. Not why, God, but what are you going to do through it, God? I trust in you. I still trust in you. It is a statement of faith, right? What David does is shift the focus from the present circumstance to God. He shifted the focus from the present circumstance to God. Now, let me back it up with Scripture. 
Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it's a verse we've probably all heard. As a matter of fact, the first message I ever preached, I was 8 years old, and I preached it out of this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't know the why the tree toppled over, but I know that when you know what's down, you know what's up, and I trust in you, so you'll work it in my favor. Something good will come. And in something that looked dead, life can spring forth. Look what the continues to say in this verse, in this, in this book, chapter th 8, verse 31. Look what he says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's on your side, it doesn't matter what's around you, he's with you. Wherever you go, whatever you're going through, he's not leaving you, he's not forsaking you. It looks disastrous. But God. Look, it continues to say, Verse 35, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We were counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Can you go to the last picture for me that I had? It's like slide 14, I think. It's the last picture. I want you, this is, I, I got up close to it. I want you to understand. I want you to see there's rocks. There's a piece of fence. There's all kinds of stuff that was dead, but there's so much life because when it recognized which way was down, it knew how to grow up. He continues to say in this verse number 38, I'm persuaded. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is nothing, and nothing can separate us from what God is doing. He has innately designed and created us to know how to pursue and how to follow, and he's promised that even if it's going rough, he's with you. He's promised to be th with you there in the place and whatever you're going through. Flip over a few pages. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Watch, watch, watch. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Paul writing here to the Corinthian church. He looks at him and says in verse number 8, we're hard pressed on every side. Yeah, we're not crushed. We're perplexed. But I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body 
the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. If Jesus went through it, I will be able to go through it. Then you get to verse 13, and look what he says. And we, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Verse 16, therefore do not lose heart. I'm here to tell you this morning, the wind may have knocked you down. Do not lose heart. Speak faith. Speak life. And when you recognize where the pressures were, now you know which way is up. Follow it. I wrote the thought down this way. Something may have knocked you down, but God is not done. Your purpose is not gone. Your calling is not gone. Those things that you thought were over, I, I, I gave it up, I messed up, I don't deserve it, I ruined it all, I'm nothing. All of those thoughts are lies of the enemy because all you see right now is a tree in the water, but in the cells inside of you, something has begun to shift. Worship team, come to the altar. And no matter what it is that you are feeling, sensing, or going through, understand that even though the pressure is there, God is there also. And he's showing you which is the way. So what do we do? We intentionally pursue him. See, we intentionally follow him. Now that it toppled, the roots begin to get down. And like Psalms chapter one, I am that tree planted by the rivers of water that will give its fruit in its season, that its leaves will never wither, that we will not go down, they will not die. Why? Because the roots are facing down and getting all the nutrients so that I can grow up and face God. You ain't gonna look at crooked trees the same way anymore. And my prayer is that you are encouraged today to continue to believe. That you are encouraged today and every day that you drive through this city or wherever you are and you see a tree that goes this and up. It's the most interesting thing. You see palm trees that at 60 feet tall, it has a bend. Something happened where it shifted and it began to break, but it didn't die. It repositioned its growth and kept shooting up. And like that, something may have knocked you down. Could have been in your health, it could have been in your marriage, it could have been your children, it could have been church, it could have been ministry, it could have been people, it could have been whatever, finances, your job, whatever the enemy has used to topple you over and even look at you, stand over you and say, and where's your God now? Ah, mm. my God's still in the same place. He never left me or forsake me. Huh. My God's right here with me, devil. And whatever storm you throw this way, he's right there with me too. And even though I was knocked down right now, there's a new shoot that's springing straight up out of the ground. And I will flourish and I will grow because his promises are yes and amen. 
you may have been knocked down, but God. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment and talk to God. Because as we begin to worship for a couple of minutes, I feel in my spirit there's some of you that perhaps there is something, there is a situation in your life right now that, that was a toppled over tree. And you came in here this morning thinking everything is over. I don't know why. I don't see the way out. But God says, I'm here with you. And so as we worship this morning for the next two or three minutes, I want you to talk to God. And as it said in 2 Corinthians, I want you to speak the faith. God, you are with me. And I will grow through this. And I will blossom. And I will shoot forth straight up towards you. Because now that I'm on the ground, I know which way is down. Therefore, I know which way is up to go towards you.